Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. And uh, it's a big day today for Springbok Rugby. Brand new coach has been announced. Alice Garcia uh, is uh, the incumbent. He takes over from Haina Kamea. And he'll be joining us live uh, in about five minutes from now. So that's coming up uh, on this evening's show. I can also tell you in other rugby news that uh, Sevens uh, coach Neil Powell has called up Chris Dry to the Sevens squad to replace the injured Philip. Snayman. There's also some swimming taking place. It is day three of the National Aquatics Championship. Alan Tar- uh, Elaine Tarden is in Durban. We'll chat to him in just a short while as well. Lots of football to look forward to tonight. And Banyana Banyana are in action. That's the big one. Kickoff in just on half an hour from now. And they've just 19 minutes away from booking their tickets to Cameroon for the 2016 Africa Women's Cup of Nations. They head into tonight's clash against Botswana with a 2-0 advantage following a pretty impressive away win. Two goals uh, that they picked up on the road on Saturday. So, all-important game tonight. There's also AFSA Premiership action uh, this evening. Pumalanga Black Aces host defending champions Kaiser Chiefs. And a moment of silence will be observed ahead of that clash as well as all other Premiership and National First Division fixtures this week in memory of the 43 fans who died in the 2001 Ellis Park disaster. UEFA Champions League clashes tonight as well. Second leg quarterfinals. Manchester City up against Paris Saint-Germain. Two all uh, the score on aggregate there. While Wolfsburg travel to the burnabout. They have a 2-0 advantage. The pressure on rail and uh, later on on this evening's show we'll be chatting to Bradley Connell to preview both of those clashes too on to some cricket news James Taylor has been forced to bring an early end to his cricket career that after he was diagnosed with a serious heart condition scans have shown that the 26 year old batter has a similar condition to that of footballer Fabrice Mwamba who collapsed with a heart attack uh, during a Barclays Premiership match Match 4 of the 2016 IPL is underway at the moment. And I can tell you that uh, the Royal Challengers Bangalore have put in uh, an impressive uh, innings. 227 for the loss of 4 in their 20 overs. There were some uh, pretty impressive batting performances from Virat Kohli, 75 of just 51 balls, and then A.B. de Villiers, 82 of 42. Fantastic performance uh, from those two gentlemen to set things up. In reply, the Sunrisers Hyderabad of 15 without loss after the first over. On to some tennis news now. World number two Andy Murray booked his spot in the third round of the Monte Carlo Masters with a 6-2-4-6-6-3 win over French qualifier Pierre Hughes Herbert. Murray felt that he made too many mistakes in today's match. We'll come back to those sound clips in just a moment. If uh, you have uh, a spare 400,000 rands in cash lying around, you could secure yourself a seat to see Kobe Bryant's final game for the LA Lakers against the Utah Jazz. Fans are paying up to $27,500 for those tickets. And finally, McLaren driver Fernando Alonso says he's still unsure whether or not he'll be able to race in this weekend's Chinese Grand Prix. He's still recovering from that massive accident at the Australian Grand Prix season opener. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we chat to the brand new Springbok coach, Alistair Kutsia. SAFM Sports Wrap. 
Well, the big announcement today is uh, that Alistair Kutsier is the brand new Springbok rugby coach, and he joins us here on SAFM Sports Trap. It's been a busy day, coach. First of all, congratulations. Thank you very much, Brad. It, uh, you're right, it's been a busy day for me. But uh, look, it's been a big day as well, and uh, I've enjoyed it up until now. And, uh, you know, it's just been uh, humbling to be afforded the opportunity to lead the Springboks from now on. Coach, you, you've been around rugby for a long, long time. You, you've played at uh, some very high levels. And, and from a coaching perspective, uh, you, you've been involved at the highest level too. You, you were assistant coach under Harry Fulhune as well as uh, Jake White. You, you now heading up the thing. You must be, you must be pretty proud of what you, you've achieved so far. It's still early days. There's a long way to go in your, your box coaching tenure. But you must, be, you must be pretty satisfied with the way things are going in your career. No, definitely. It's, uh, once again, you know, I'm... Um, I'm grateful for a lot of things. First and foremost, you know, as a rugby that has given me the opportunity. Uh, my club, Velcro Steel, is really, um, you know, allowing me to come back to South Africa and my family, uh, you know, have been very supportive and uh, also the rugby fans, especially in Cape Town, you know. While I was busy with you must and get the Stormers and in fact, all over in South Africa, I always had good times with uh, rugby loving uh, people in South Africa. So hopefully, you know, my, my stint to the box would, would even, you know, inspire me to achieve great heights with the Springboks. Alistair, you've worked under some, some big names in South African rugby over the years. I, I think of, of Ian McIntosh and Huey Edwards, uh, where you assistant coached to, to them with, uh, with, with the Sharks. Uh, I think of, of the time you also spent with France Ludica uh, in Vodacom Super Rugby. Relationships are pretty important in, in this position and getting everyone's buy-in to what you want to do with the box. So are you pretty confident that, that everyone is behind you and you are the right man for the job? Well, I've got no doubt that I've, uh, I've paid my dues, you know, when it comes to rugby in South Africa. I've uh, been coaching and involved in it for more than 20 years. So uh, I've been, you know, from Grahamstown to Port Elizabeth from there uh, to Durban, you know, after that Johannesburg and then to uh, to, to Cape Town and, and, and even to Japan. So, uh, yes, I've... Um, like I said, paid my dues. I'm, I'm happy for this opportunity. Uh, I think my biggest strength, obviously, is to make sure that uh, you align people and, uh, and hopefully I can get it right and, uh, and make sure that we have one vision in, in South African rugby, that is to make the Springboks the best team. You were quoted earlier on today as well in, in the press conference saying that winning is important. We, we've heard many box coaches saying we, we're in a building phase. You, your first big task is a, a three-match test series against Ireland, then straight into the rugby championship. Uh, coach, let, let's talk about winning. How important is winning now as opposed to, to building for, for the Rugby World Cup in 2019? Yeah, obviously, one uh, uh, needs to have long-term goals, but I think it's important that, that, that to know and understand that a coach is measured by the results that uh, he attains. So it's important for me to, you know, to kick off and get off to a good start against the Irish in the castle like in coming to a series. So, so that is where the focus would be and the priority to make sure that I select the best possible 23 players that can run onto that field starting in Cape Town, starting at home and get off to a good start. Coaches, as far as preparation and, and building up to this sort of thing, obviously it's been a while since uh, we knew that that Heineken Mayer was moving on. Uh, I'm gathering you weren't, uh, you didn't find out about your appointment today when the announcement was made. How much has been going on behind the scenes with with building up towards this this first test series for for you in charge? Yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for for SRP. They've put a few new structures in place to to look at uh, the logistics, to look at. Uh, uh, the planning. Um, obviously, I had uh, uh, a group of different departments presenting to me last week 
uh, I'm really happy with where we are, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. From now on, at least, I can uh, say what I want and what the way uh, uh, is going forward. And uh, that's really, that's why I'm glad it's been announced and uh, I can get stuck into work now. It's also important, the team that you have around you. It's announced today that Mzwandile Stick uh, is going to be your backline coach. Johan van Kran will be in charge of the forwards. T- tell us a little bit about your relationship with, with both of those guys. Oh, it's great to have, uh, you know, the experience of Johan van Kran has been part of the of the previous four years of Springbok Rugby, even, you know, and, and so also the, the manager, Jan Schwartz. And then uh, there are a couple of ma- management members who have been part of uh, the successful junior box, you know, and they're coming through the ranks and, 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 and always a good thing to, to sort of empower people from within and give them the opportunity to grow. I'm very positive. I also have the opportunity and the flexibility with SA Rugby to bring in whoever I still want to, to get on board and make use of any other resources to at my disposal. Coach, one of the things that's, that's been a, a big sticking point for, for many of your predecessors is transformation. Does it irritate you that in 2016 we're still talking about transformation? You did amazing things with the Stormers, and if you look at that team and, and just the, the makeup of, of it, that, I mean, do you have, and I, I don't want to use the word quotas, but, but obviously we need to. Uh, do you have numbers that you need to achieve and hit by a certain time? No, I've never looked at numbers. I've never looked at, uh, you know, skin color when it comes to players. I treat all players the same. And uh, my philosophy has been with Western Province and the Stormers. If you can contribute and add value to a team, I'll give you the opportunity now to let you. And, 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 you know, my, I, I've, I've been there, I've done it. It's annoying when, when, when you, you want to believe that a player is selected because of, of his skin color. A player doesn't want to be selected if he's not good enough if he cannot perform and contribute to the success of a team. Um, yes, it is annoying to keep speaking about transformation. Uh, you know, we've come a long way, and there are a lot of good enough players. Uh, I think they can, that sh- are showing their potential and class at super rugby level. So uh, uh, we make sure that we get the right people, back the right people, give them the opportunity, and, uh, and, and select the best team. If you look at the brand of rugby that, that uh, the Springboks are, are well known for, it's, it's obviously a hard physical brand uh, with big, strong forwards. Are we going to be seeing more of that, or are, are you going to bring a couple of changes in? And I think particularly if you look at a team like what the Lions are doing at the moment, playing a very different style to the traditional South African rugby, are you going to make some major changes? Look, let me be honest with you and, and, and be quite uh, frank about this. Uh, I think I'm not a romantic of the game. I think people must understand that test rugby uh, is about winning and you will give your team the best possible chance to win. The game will never change. There's got to be a strong set piece. There's got to be, uh, uh, you know, areas where you can put opposition under pressure with defense and uh, with ball in hand and attack and a side kicking game. And for me, it's about integrating that and making sure that our players understand if the one doesn't work, that we have other areas where we can pressurize the, the opposition by and still get the result. It's about winning and, uh, uh, you know, and, and we will make sure the, the, the balanced game is, is the way to go. Uh, Alistair, just one, one final quick one, just on selection as far as captain and overseas-based players. Any, any decisions made there yet? Are, are, are there overseas uh, players in, in line for selection? Over, uh, overseas-based players are... Uh, the status quo uh, stays the same. It remains this year, so I can select overseas-based players. Fantastic. I'm going to select the best possible 23 players that will be ready for, for Ireland, and the captain will come from the 2023. New Springbok coach, Alistair Katia, thanks for your time this evening on SAFM Sports Wrap. All the best, and we look forward to, to chatting in the, in the future. Thanks very much. Cheers. Have a good night. Bye-bye.
This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Busy day for the new Springbok coach, Alistair Kutsia, being in and out of interviews all day, but uh, great chat nonetheless, and we look forward to seeing what he does uh, in the green and gold. I am pretty confident. I think he's, uh, he's the right man for the job. Looking forward to, to uh, watching the box in action against Ireland in June. Let's talk some swimming now, and it is a pretty important meet that's taking place at the Kings Park Aquatic Centre down in Durban in KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, it is uh, an Olympic year, and our swimmers have always performed well uh, at the Olympics and uh, they seem to be performing uh, pretty well as well. Down in Durban, we join now by Elaine Tardin. Elaine, welcome on to SFM Sports Chat. Thanks for, for your time this evening. It's a pretty important meet uh, in the greater scheme of things, Rio 2016, and uh, the big names in South African swimming are all there. Yeah, 100%. Um, this only comes around every four years, and uh, if they don't make it here, they've got to wait another four years and hopefully you know, make the cut uh, next time around. But there are some big names out tonight. Of course, uh, Chad Leclerc is about to... Uh, Get set to swim his 200 meter freestyle semis. He did qualify in the heats for that, so it's going to be interesting swim. Uh, Corin Prince, who just finished her 200 freestyle semi, and uh, she ended up on 2 minutes 0.96, so uh, d- just short of that uh, qualifying time. Chad Leclerc, sorry, he is swimming the final now, not the semi final of the men's 200 meter freestyle. Elaine, let, let's chat a little bit about Chad Leclerc. Obviously, big pressure on the youngster. He, he burst onto the scene four years ago in London 2012. Everyone now knows what, what he can do. He, he's got big match temperament. He, he won't be too, too stressed about it. He sort of thrives in, in, this, uh, in this environment. Yeah, especially, I mean, at the level that he's at, um, he's been to world champs, he's been to the Olympics, he's done it, he's, he's broken world records in the, in the world short course circuits, so he is, you know, capable of, of, of handling the pressures that are thrown at him, and uh, he's a down-to-earth guy, he's a humble guy, and he just focuses on what needs to be done, and, uh, yeah, gets the job done. Lane, how difficult is it for, for someone like Chad Leclerc? Obviously, you talk about the, the stages that he, that he has swum on over the last four years. And, and obviously, as an elite athlete, you push yourself when you are swimming against really good competitors. Is, there, is Chad being pushed or is he having to do the hard work and, and making sure he's getting under those qualifying times? Yeah, no, he'll definitely be having to do the hard work himself. Um, he's got a great support structure. Of course, his coach, Graham Hill, will make sure he stays in check. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he does what he loves, and he will basically do whatever it takes to get to the next meet, to get the next gold medal. Um, at the end of the day, it is his job, so if he doesn't perform, he doesn't basically get paid. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's very, very self-motivated, and he wants to go out and obviously be the best swimmer that he, that he can be. He's qualified already from a time perspective in the build-up. Uh, will he just go through the motions in the finals, or is he going to try better that time? Um, personally, I think he'll definitely try and uh, set a good time. Uh, he is swimming a 200-meter freestyle now, and he posted a time of 147.88. Uh, the qualifying time there was 147.97. But at this stage of the game, when they hit the finals, they really push each other. He's got an Egyptian uh, swimming with him. Uh, of course, uh, Marwan Alkamash of the Egyptian there will post a time of 148.66, as well as Miles Brown. Miles Brown qualifying in the men's 400-meter freestyle. So the, all three of them are currently pushing each other really, really hard. So being Chad, he won't want to you know, take it easy and just slack off because he's qualified. You'll still want to actually walk away with a win here tonight. I'm taking it Bert's there as well. Sorry? I'm taking it his dad Bert is, is there. Yeah, his dad Bert is there. <laughs> <laughs> you can see him shouting and screaming on the side going berserk as usual. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, Karen Prinsloo, you, you mentioned she hadn't, uh, hadn't made the, the time yet. Uh, is, is the pressure on her or, or should, she, should she dip under the qualifying time? Yeah, she's, uh, the qualifying time there is 158.96. Her PB, she actually holds the South African and African record uh, back in 2014 of 157.17. So that's under the Olympic qualifying time. So um, she's got one more shot to qualify tomorrow night. And like I said, she did 2 minutes, point, uh, two minutes 00.96. 
uh, in the semi-finals now. So one more shot to do tomorrow, and hopefully she can get through. A couple other names uh, also uh, racing tonight. Mariette Fenter and Tara Nicholas. Tell us a little bit about them and, and, sh- and, and what they need to do to qualify. Yeah, Mariella Fenter, um, she's got the 100 meter backstroke final and her semis time of 1 minute 00.97 was just outside that uh, 1 minute 00.25 qualifying time. So hopefully she can dip under that. Um, uh, in this game, I mean the split seconds, we're talking half a second plus there, they are actually quite a big distance in the pool. So hopefully she can, you know, find that, uh, that space and, and get the times in. And then of course, uh, Tara Nicholas, she posted uh, a time of 108.68 in the women's 100 meter breaststroke. She'll need to drop over a second, uh, 107.85 the qualifying time there, so hopefully she can get there. They're in a wonderful facility down there in Durban as well. It, it sounds like there's quite a bit of crowd support. Obviously, the swimming uh, sort of scene in, in Durbs is, is pretty good. And, and that, if, if my memory serves me correctly, is going to be the same facility that they're going to be using for, for the Commonwealth Games. Obviously, there will be some changes, but uh, that's pretty much what we can see in the future. Yeah, 100%. Uh, there's always a big crowd here. Even when I uh, competed for, for Stafka about 10 years ago, the crowds were just as big as they are now. If not, they're bigger now because obviously, you know, Stafka has these Olympic gold medalists like Cameron van der Berg, Chad Leclerc. We've got Roland Schumann, and uh, these guys do draw the crowds. And swimming just becomes such a, a part of life for anyone in Durban. Uh, most of the guys train at Kings Park, or of course, uh, in Pinetown. So this is their home pool. This is where they do all their dirty work and uh, get the job done. Brilliant. So, thank you so much for that. And uh, make sure you stay tuned to SAFM over the next few days as we keep you updated as to what's happening at uh, those aquatic championships. Coming up next here on Sports Wrap, we chat to Bradley Connell about UEFA Champions League football. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. Well, another great night of football in store. We'll be keeping a, a very close eye on Banyana Banyana this evening as well. They're 90 minutes away from uh, securing a very valuable spot at that African Women's uh, Cup. And, uh, yeah, they go into that match with a 2-0 advantage following the weekend win over Botswana. But there's some exciting UEFA Champions League action to look forward to tonight. And uh, two games taking place. Manchester City welcome Paris Saint-Germain and Wolfsburg travel to the Bernabeu. And uh, I think both games uh, could hold some fireworks in store. We join now by Bradley Connell. Bradley, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap tonight. Good to, good to catch up. Two, two games of football that uh, I think are, are mouth-watering. Let's start with the PSG Man City game. Two all on aggregate, two vital away goals for Manchester City. Uh, PSG are going to be throwing the kitchen sink at them tonight. Yeah, you can great. Thanks for having us again, man. Uh, yeah, no, it's going to be a mouth-watering clash as you've spoken about. And, uh, yeah, everyone always just uh, speaks about the two away goals that Manchester City are holding now. Um, but one wonders if you can quite keep out the PSG team uh, for, for 90 minutes. So it's going to be a, a, an extremely crucial clash. There's uh, two suspensions that um, PSG have uh, on their side, David Luiz, as well as uh, influential midfielder Blake Matuidi. So that's going to be quite interesting to see uh, who Laurent Blanc brings into to that midfield, especially and at the centre-back pairing. It's an interesting one because City definitely do have the advantage going in, as you mentioned, with the two away goals. How do they approach this? Do, do they go into a class like this and go, you know what, we just can't concede if we, if we nil all draw, we, we threw? Do they go and park the bus or do they go out for the win tonight? I don't think City can park the bus. It's not their, uh, it's not their game culture. You know, they don't really uh, have that in, in them just to sit back and, and try and catch teams on the counter that come in. They're a team who likes to get forward and uh, especially with uh, Silver in the midfield, likes to orchestrate 
uh, you know, a nice uh, bit of possession and uh, make sure they, they drop the opposition actually more defensively than, than what they would like to be. So I'm expecting them to also go out and try and get a goal, um, not going home, but still going to go out there and try and win the game positively. Um, whether or not that's going to be the right way, I mean, that could be a little bit inconsistent with regard to uh, also playing a centre-back, missing uh, Vincent Company for so many uh, weeks through to his injury. He did trade with the team uh, in their last training session, but unfortunately um, he hasn't managed that. And now they've only lost uh, only a handful of games when he, uh, when he has played, and uh, when he hasn't played, they've lost a hell of a lot more. So I think it's going to be quite tricky uh, for them, especially with Ockermendi and Mangala. They're, they're very inconsistent and uh, make one or two errors, and especially Cavani and Ibrahimovic will be putting extremely low demands of pressure on them there, so uh, one will have to just wait and see if they I'm looking forward to that clash, but uh, I think the one where, where lots of eyes will be on will be at the Bernabeu, Real Madrid hosting Wolfsburg, you played a lot of your, your football in Germany as well, last week's result 2-0 to, to Wolfsburg, for me was a bit of a surprise, but the pressure really on Real Madrid now, they have to uh, come out guns blazing tonight if they, they want to make it through to the next round. Yeah, this is uh, certainly a turn-up for the books, and nobody expected that. And, uh, you know, it just seems as though it's a fairy tale. and Coach Dieter Hacking has been speaking about this and saying, uh, may the fairy tale continue. And, uh, you know, they threw a fellow in the world last week. They brought on a youngster, Bruno Enrique, which nobody put on the cards, and he was so influential down the right-hand side, nice attacking young Brazilian player. Um, and one wonders if they're going to do their homework on him again, or maybe even throw him out now and put a more experienced squad on, because... Uh, if you look at the likes of uh, Julian Draxler, such a, a talented young player on the card of many a big European team, uh, he also had a fantastic game. So um, they were young, they were dynamic, they forced mistakes out of uh, Real Madrid, and they forced Madrid to play a possession-based game. Um, they parked the bus very well, that Wolfsburg, and caught, uh, uh, caught Madrid on the counter-attack on numerous occasions. Um, Madrid is not used to playing the possession game football. They used to just uh, also catching teams on the counter-attack. So, you know, one wonders how they're going to come out in uh, at the Bernabeu now, guns blazing, but it's going to be a crucial, crucial event, especially in the first 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember, and, and I'm not sure if, if you feel the same, I can't remember when Real Madrid was under this sort of pressure uh, coming into a clash like this, and, and often it's the, the, the great teams who, who stand up at, at times of adversity, and here's an opportunity for, for this team to, to really stand up and be counted. Do you think they can do it? Yeah, well, history's not on their side. I mean, in recent games, uh, uh, when Madrid have lost their eight first-leg games, uh, they haven't managed uh, to progress in any of one of them. So, I mean, these uh, fantastic evenings of uh, fighting back and comeback recovery uh, games, uh, you know, of, uh, I think the last one was 1995, if I'm not mistaken. So you have to dig back all the way back uh, in the history books to find out where Madrid turned over a, a first-leg deficit. So, you know, history is not on their side in, I think it was 2013 when they lost four one to Dortmund away, and then at home, they only won 2-0. So, um, yeah, certainly, you know, uh, fortune uh, favours Wolfsburg at this moment in time, but whether they're able to keep the pressure and to keep out the quality that uh, Madrid has, uh, you expect Madrid to make a mix-up or a hiccup uh, one out of two games, but two out of two games is very unlikely. So, I mean, it's, it's quite possible that they can turn it around with three goals. I can't wait. Uh, both of those clashes are going to be fantastic. There's so much football tonight. Also, don't forget, absolute premiership action. Kaiser Chiefs in action. The defending champions travel to Mpumalanga Black Aces. Bradley Connell, thank you so much for your time this evening. Enjoy the football, and we look forward to catching up again soon.
Cheers, Brett. Take care, man. Have a good evening. Bye. Burn the Floor, the most popular dance show of them all, returns to South Africa at the Pretoria State Theatre from April 28th. Book your seats now at CompuTicket for a gloriously simple evening of theatrical high energy. This massive Broadway hit is a passionate interplay of luxurious ballroom and Latin American explosions. Burn the floor. This ain't your grandma's ballroom. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, staying with football news, South Africa's soccer fraternity commemorates the 2011 Ellis Park disaster in which 43 people died in a stampede during Kaiser Chiefs Orlando Pirates match. Chiefs spokesperson Vina Mapoza says soccer administrators have learned a lesson from the dreadful incident. He said it was a somber day on the 11th of April 2011 when the incident took place and he says the same pain with the family members whose siblings uh, and they share the same pain with the family members whose siblings died at the stadium. Fifteen years later, Pauza says they will never forget that night and hope that the deceased's memories live on while remaining soccer lovers continue to honour their lives uh, and the souls who have changed the spectrum of South African football. That sad moment in history, uh, this day, 2001, that was when the tragedy struck at Ellis Park during the derby. It was a Wednesday match. It was a night game and people were rushing, you know, to go to stadium and uh, to be at Ellis Park to witness the derby uh, game, Chiefs against Pirates. I'm told at that time it was um, at the hype and the height of the rivalry between the two teams. Personally, I was at the stadium and uh, we've got Brian Baloy at the team who was between the sticks at that time. We have a coach, Compella, who was on the bench, assistant to Mushine Tugral at the time. Dr. Kumal was a player, but was on the bench at that time. And we all, you know, share the same message to the families and uh, friends who lost their beloved, uh, that this is one of the tragedies that will go down in history um, as unfortunate. Mopoza urged soccer administrators to always look at the damage caused by the event. The final inquiry into the incident concluded that a major cause was that inexperienced security personnel were bribed and uh, in return admitted fans without tickets into the stadium. Poor crowd control was also to blame. However, Mopoza says that the thing are, that, that is a thing of the past and the security of the fans is their priority now. And uh, we'd like to send our condolences and wish that the families gain strength and find solace in the fact that that tragedy changed a lot of things in football. Security is beefed up uh, in recent times. Security processes are much uh, at high level at this uh, juncture. So with all those things, you know, the families can look back and say they are, you know, dearest paid a heavy price to improve football. And uh, to the players and uh, the, the administrators today, we always uh, take cue from that event to make sure that we make, you know, the football grounds a safe place. And this is a sad moment. This, words cannot express, I mean, how much we, we feel. Uh, it's only for the families, you know, to be blessed. And I wish that, uh, you know, they, they remember uh, their family members as having contributed, you know, ultimately, you know, to the game of football. SAFM Sports Wrap.
Well, the Monte Carlo Masters is underway. I mentioned earlier that Andy Murray is through. He beat French qualifier Pierre Hughes Herbert in the second round. Uh, he did uh, struggle, though, and he said he made too many mistakes in today's match. You know, the best tennis I played was really in the third set when I needed to, really. You know, when I was up a break and then, you know, he had a few chances there. Um, I was able to raise my game at those moments, but, um, you know, it was obviously up and down in the second set for me. And, um, you know, on the surface, that's something that, you know, shouldn't happen as often. It's possible to get broken, but the sort of the consistency of your tennis, it should be better because it's slower court, so you've got more time on the ball and, made too many mistakes in the second set it is the first clay court tournament of the season and Murray says uh, that he's been struggling for concentration and focus on the court recently yeah I think I mean I've, I've been, definitely been a little bit flat since the Davis Cup really you know I don't know exactly why that's that's been the case but in a lot of my matches it's been that way you know some good stuff mixed in with some pretty bad stuff the kind of the norm is bad just now so I need to kind of uh, improve on that um, you know when I, even when I'm not playing my best because when I've been playing well I'm actually hitting the ball very clean but just the, the consistency is not, not been there and maybe not as sharp as I, I could be mentally uh, concentration has not been so good so that, that's something that again on this surface especially needs to be needs to be better because you have to work hard for every point and you need to need to concentrate better the Scott who also recently became a dad says uh, the birth of his daughter has got nothing to do with his poor results recently for me I don't think that has anything to do with it because if that was the case then you know the Davis Cup I would have played rubbish you know that was immediately after it uh, after the birth so you know and I played well there that's really the best match I've played in the last uh, last couple of months so I, d- I don't think that has anything to do with it you know it's happened to me in the past before I, you know I had some some tough losses um, even after I won Wimbledon you know had some some tough losses before the US Open that year it's not the first time that's happened you know but normally I find a way to turn it around and I have absolutely no doubt that I'll do the same again this time SAFM Sports Wrap well, I can tell you that Roger Federer is through as well and David Ferrer has withdrawn because of injury. That's it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thank you so much for listening. Just a huge thank you as well to everyone who sent uh, well wishes following uh, my Ironman this weekend down in Port Elizabeth. It is hugely appreciated. So thank you to each and, one of, uh, each and every one of you as well. We're back again tomorrow at 6.30 for another edition of SAFM Sports Wrap. We'll have more sport tomorrow morning on AM Live with Janet Witten from uh, the entire team here, myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Titty, thank you so much for listening. Coming up on the other side of uh, 7 o'clock, it is the talk shop. But first, it's time for your news. Cheers.